0: This season, Houston Speedway has been home to a ton of big events. Earlier this summer, they had the 100,000 Twin High Bank Nationals for the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series. They had a big lay model weekend with the Lucas Oil Lay Model Dirt Series. A lot of rumors about what could happen with that in the future. And they also had a big USAC weekend between the National Sprint Cars and the National Midgets. And on top of that, they've got a fantastic weekly program. Sunday nights includes 410 Sprint Cars, 305 Sprint Cars, and their lay model street stocks. And one guy who's been there to see it all is track announcer Sean Neesat. He joins me on this episode to talk all things Houston Speedway. We talk their weekly points battle right now that's super close. We talk Ryan Timms. We talk World of Outlaws. All sorts of different topics here uh, in this conversation. But before we move on, if you haven't seen yet, there is Duratracker merch now available, including this t-shirt I'm wearing right now, the Don't Tell Me There's No Passing in Sprint Car Racing shirt. We've got a couple of different shirt options. We've got a couple of different decal options. Shipping in the U.S. is always free. If you want to grab something right now, you can head over to shop.dirttracker.com. Uh, now let's get to our conversation with Sean Nested. Sean, I know you from Houston Speedway and, and all of the work that you do there uh, announcing on a weekly basis, but you actually kind of do a whole bunch of stuff. So for the people that maybe aren't aware of you, uh, run me through kind of all of your racing exploits right now.
1: Um, yeah, I, I do a lot. Uh, it feels like anyway, and my wife would tell you it's a lot. Um, so yeah, I'm the the announcer at HUSETS. Um I also announce at another racetrack uh, here in South Dakota on the other side of Sioux Falls out by Hartford. It's called I-90 Speedway. Um, they race weekly on Saturdays. Um, and then there's the the Midwest Sprint Touring Series, a 360 Sprint Tour that's centered in Sioux Falls, um, runs in Nebraska, runs over at Jackson quite a bit, Hartford, uh, just kind of a regional deal. Um, run with that and, and announce the majority of their shows. And then uh, Austin Lloyd and I split the uh, Tri-State Late Model Series, which is a, a regional late model deal here, um, kind of hubbed in Sioux Falls as well. So it, it adds up to be a lot. Uh, yeah, it, it's it keeps me out of trouble,
0: and and you do all of this like with a full time job and a family and all of that too, correct?
1: Yeah, sure do. Um, married, got a son, an eleven year old, and uh, so he plays baseball all summer long. So there were a couple days or a couple weekends where um, I think I did like MSTs in Rock Rapids, Iowa, which is a half hour from my my home. Um, I was at baseball, drove down there, drove really early before the sun was up the next morning to where he was playing baseball, was there all day, drove to Hartford, drove home, drove back to the tournament uh, and then got to Houston's in time. So a lot of miles, um, but it's, it's all a lot of fun.
0: Um, uh, We're going to get to a whole lot of different topics. And and obviously we're going to talk a ton of Houston's and sprint car stuff, but I do want to ask about I-90 just kind of give me the elevator pitch on I-90. That's not a track. I I know a whole lot about, uh, but just give me like an idea about what happens at I-90 on a weekly basis.
1: It's a, uh, it's another bull ring racetrack bigger than Husetts it's about uh, three tenths of a mile, um, weekly Saturday show us a hobby stocks B modifieds. uh, the same late model street stocks that run at Houston's, So a lot of the, the, those same drivers and some others. Um, and then, uh, the, the top class out there generally is the, uh, IMCA race saver sprint cars, um. Cool place. Uh, I grew up in Hartford. Um, that was my, my hometown. Um, and so, uh, that racetrack actually closed. Um, so we had both of our main Sioux falls area racetracks closed for a time. Um, that track closed in 2016. Um, and I hadn't worked out there at that point. And when they, uh, had the opportunity to reopen it in 2019, before Houston's got going again, um, they approached me to be their, their weekly announcer. And I, of course I said, yes. Um, and so uh, I've been out there, uh, ever since now there's, there's uh, a time here and there where, where Houston's in, in that track and, and I-90, they have, uh, conflicts. And so, um, I've got a few, uh, other announcers in the area that will, that'll step in there and fill in for me so I can, uh, take care of my duties at Houston's or with MSTS races. So, um, it works out really well.
0: Uh, yeah. Talk to me just generally about kind of the situation at HUSITS and, and, you know, obviously we know it it was owned by another guy. It was had a completely different name for a little while and there was a weird situation there, but, you know, Todd Quarren comes in, buys the racetrack, uh, you know, kind of fixes it up. Tell me about just kind of the direction of the racetrack right now. And, and, you know, we know he's bringing in a ton of big events and all of this stuff, but where do you, you know, where do you kind of see the racetrack going? What are your feelings right now? Just generally about HUSITS?
1: I'm so excited to be part of Houston Speedway, and uh, hopefully, I'm I'm a long time part of it still to go. Uh, never did I imagine we'd be having a quarter million dollar to win race four minutes from my house, and that's huge. But then, when you take the step back and you look at the perspective of what happened um, at at Houston in 2017, we ran one race that year, and the previous owner shut it down after that one race, and so. Uh, I, I've told a lot of people by the time 2019 rolled around and then when we got into 2020 before Todd had had purchased it in the mid midpoint of that summer uh, I drive that that's a way to get from from Brandon where I live into Sioux Falls I wouldn't drive by the racetrack I have friends that live in that part of town that you can you can drive drive by and then go into that part of town I wouldn't drive down there. I wouldn't drive by the racetrack. I didn't want to see it. It hurt to see such a great place sitting there and all the history. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize my in-laws were the previous owners before that regime moved in. And so that, that added to the pain, I guess maybe you can say, um, because it's 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 been it was family for me. Um, I grew up going to the races out there with my family, and then I started working at that track when I was fifteen, cleaning garbage. Um, I worked there all through high school and, and all through college, and I'd been announcing there since the early two thousands. Um, and so I, I met my wife there; she was the cute concession stand girl. And so,
0: I, so you I have even, no connection to Houston Speedway whatsoever. No, is what you're
1: saying? No, no, <laughs> no. My heart really isn't in it. Uh, but it, it hurt that much to drive by the place, and now to see where it's going is incredible. Uh, the energy this year when when we had the $100,000 to win High Bank Nationals, uh, I've never felt that kind of energy at that racetrack, except maybe the night Tony Stewart was there back in 2013 when it, the place was packed. Um, So you, you multiply that by where we're going next year. And then who knows, you know, the sky's the limit at this point. And I've, I've heard Todd on a couple of different interviews say that he hopes someday he has to put bleachers on the backstretch. And, um, I don't know what his plan is to get to that point, but holy moly, what kind of racing are we talking about? And I really, really am looking forward to, to the future out there. It's, it's such an incredible racetrack. Um, I, yeah, I'm biased, but I think the racing there, (laughs) you know, the racing there is hard to beat. Um, it it puts on a, it it puts on a great show. I mean, even, uh, it, it, it doesn't matter what the track conditions really are. Um, you're going to get into traffic no matter what. And so that's when I think sprint car racing really shines. And that's, that's what we get into down here all the time. And that's, um, that, that's the, just, the, the excitement of the place. It's fast, it's tight. It's not an easy place to come race. I and mean, there's not a lot of people who have come in and been fast at that racetrack right out of the gate. So the, the future of that racetrack next year will make history. Um, you know, I, I, I was the first one to say this year, you know, it was the highest paying professional sporting event in South Dakota history, which was true. Uh, now we're just going to blow that out of the water come next year when we've got the High Bank Nationals round two.
0: I I think it's such an interesting situation with Hughes. the, the Sunday show, I feel like is such a unique place on the kind of the weekly schedule. And I feel like it allows almost Houston to just kind of stand alone a little bit on those Sunday nights. You know, you've got that spot on dirt vision. You've got a fantastic 410 program with, you know, a lot of the, the Midwest guys that, that come there. Uh, Talk to me about this points battle you have right now, because you've got Matt Jewell, you've got Justin Henderson, you've got Austin McCarroll, you've got all these guys that are super tight right now. you got a couple of weeks left, but tell me about that weekly 410 battle you guys got going on right now.
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild uh, coming down here with with three races to go, the top two separated by a singular point. Um, that's pretty wild. Now, Hewson has kind of... A, a, through the years, you know, here and there, they've, there have been uh, crazy instances like this. And I think it was 2001, Justin Henderson and Chad Meyer actually tied for the points championship. And um, at that point, there wasn't a tiebreaker system uh, that was in the track rules. So they they were co-champions that year. Um, we could see that again. Now, I think, I think the current rules break it down, you know, if this, then that, and what, what breaks it. But this points battle is so close between those front four, um, it, you can't call who's, who's got an advantage. And there's actually scenarios, if it stays that close going into that last night, somebody could win the A feature, but not be the points champion out of that group because uh, there's 15 points for time trials down by... Our 10 points for time trials down by one, 15 points for the heat race down by two, and then it's 35 points to win the feature. So somebody times great, runs a great heat race, but gets a bad draw and somebody else wins, You know, however that shakes out, it could be really, really interesting here um, the next couple of nights that we've got.
0: Uh, that, that weekly program is always interesting to me too, because I feel like you end up kind of getting like a decent amount of just traveling guys coming through. Like, you know, we've seen Parker Price Miller come up there before. And, and the one guy I really want to ask you about is Ryan Timms. You know, he's getting ready this weekend to make his World of Outlaws debut, and he's a guy that you've seen a bunch this season. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on a guy like him and, and what he could maybe do against the Outlaws this weekend?
1: I think I think that Friday night show is really going to going to be the eye opener and going to be the test and see how he runs against the outlaws at such a tough little bull ring up in Grand Forks. Um, he really busted onto the scene last year at husett's You know he had, he had done well with that that ASCS uh, where he kind of busted onto the scene that speed week deal, and then here he shows up in a four ten and the first night he was leading the feature his first time at Houston Speedway and nobody really does that since like, you know, Casey Kane did it way back with the first time he came through when he was running his family 23 K way, way, way back in the day. And here he is leading the feature and pulling away from him. And then he, he had a, a misstep in turn three Well, he came back again at the end of last year and got the feature win. And I think that's when, you know, people in our area really took note of him. The world of outlaws is a whole different game though. And so I'm really curious to tune in. Um, I, I'm actually announcing a race somewhere on Friday night. So I'm not, I'll have, to, I'll have dirt vision on my phone. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, so I'm going to, I'm really curious to see how he does with the Outlaws and, and Grant Forks is, is such a unique racetrack. It's, it's such a tight little bull ring up there and D shaped. And so uh, we'll see how he, see how he fares um, first night out of the gate. We were, I was talking with it when the Outlaws were here with Johnny Gibson. And, you know, that is the 16th birthday for Ryan. So mm-hmm. what a, if he could win, what a record that would be that without a serious rule change, uh, it couldn't be broken. Yeah, yeah that would sure. it could only be a tied if, if for the, the youngest win with the world of outlaws. But I mean, you could talk about it doing it's doing it's another thing, and you know, he's got a chance, but. You know, it, as as we see every night when you watch the watch the outlaws or you go to one of their races, um, you can be the hottest driver in the country. And then that series will humble you really, really, really quickly. Um, a bad draw for time trials can can set you way behind the eight ball with that group because everyone is so talented. So it'll be fun to watch.
0: Uh, you were supposed to have an outlaw date earlier in the year, and you had this crazy storm come through, okay. m- cause a bunch of damage. You guys get the damage fixed, and then not end up, you know, th- then you didn't get to have the outlaw race after all of that work. But uh, you know, talk me through that week. You know, how how damaged was the facility? How much work had to go into it to get that place to try to be ready for an outlaw race coming in?
1: It was nuts. Um, we, it was actually. Uh, what weekend was that? Because it was a double header weekend. Uh, we had raced Sunday and we were going to race Monday. So it was Memorial day weekend and races got done on, on Sunday night. I think Ryan Tim's won, and mm-hmm. said, good night, everybody. And I closed my computer, left all my stuff set up at the racetrack, which I never do. And went to the bar and, uh, we all had a great time and it, you know, um, Early in the morning, we were all leaving and making our way home. And it was, oh, gee, it is going to storm here tonight. And came home, went to bed. Tornado sirens went off, which isn't crazy in South Dakota. It happens. Um, We've got some wild weather up here. Um, And went to the basement for a while and everything was clear. Went back to bed. And it was about seven o'clock that next morning, my phone was just buzzing and buzzing and buzzing. And I'm like, what is going on? Whoever is texting me, waking me up at seven o'clock in the morning, like, what do you need, mom? You know, that's kind of what I figured what it was going to be. And I finally picked my phone up and I looked and it was all this wood thrown around the infield at the racetrack. And I'm looking at it. I'm going, what was on the infield that exploded last night? there's a small concession stand trailer. There's no built. There are no buildings down there. There's a small mm-hmm. concession stand trailer, and the safety crew leaves the trailer down there once in a while. But I'm like, why were these trailers made of so much wood? And then I got the picture of the building that the entire roof had flown off of the very top side of the of the facility and landed down there, and it was like, whoa. So. um Race director, uh, Brian Rubin actually lives two houses down from me. So I called him. I'm like, Hey, I know you've got stuff at the track too. We better go see what's up and, and drove out there and it was just surreal. Um, just to see that really awesome building that's on the top of the grandstands. The roof was gone. Mm -hmm. White pole is down. Uh, fence is down. And so, you know, I had a couple friends from other areas who, who called me and, um, you know, they were like, "Well, they they called," and I'm like, "Yeah, the racetrack is torn up there." Like, well, I don't care about the racetrack. How are you? Fine. So then we yeah. got, you know, then we talked about the racetrack, and a lot, you know, I had multiple people tell me, "Like, you guys are done. Your season's done. See you guys in 2023. Forget it." And you know, Todd was out there that day, and, and Doug Johnson, the general manager, was there, and and Taylor Queering, who does a, a ton of work all around the racetrack, he was out there, and. You know, you could just kind of see like they were thinking, and you know, there was there was talk of well, we can flip flop the Jackson Nationals and the High Bank Nationals. We'll run Jackson, and then we'll come back. You know, maybe Houston will be ready in August, maybe. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, okay, well, you know that that'd be great if we could get back open by August, um, right after Knoxville. That would be really cool, and then. Kind of, you know, storms are rolling back in. We all kind of left. And then we got a text message, hey, can can people, who, anyone able to come help clean up some stuff? They just wanted to get whatever was salvageable out of the top part of the building out of there into storage before more storms rolled in. Um, And so, you know, a bunch of us were out there and we, we kind of cleaned that up and, and kind of went to bed that night thinking, you know, like, this is probably it. You know, going to be a long time before we go back out there. There's a there's a lot of work to do, and was actually tuned into the the World of Outlaws show um, when Johnny Gibson made the announcement that hey, not only are we going to Houston Speedway um, this summer, we're going next week, <laughs> and Houston's <laughs> is running. And I just got that word from Todd, and I think as 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 he was announcing it, I got the text message that said, you know, be ready, and I had goosebumps like it was it was like oh cool you know we're gonna race and then it was like what how White? how (laughs) how in the world are you going to do this the the building there's insulation all over the grandstands there's stuff hanging in the fence of the racetrack part of the fence is down how in the world are you going to have a facility ready to host something like the world of outlaws in a week and they they did they had it ready to go um and then mother nature you know had had some other yeah, plans but you know it, it it really shows you know the kind of resolve first the, the resolve that people around this area of the country have um you know and when, when it comes to things like that you roll up your sleeves and you get the job done and, and that's that's the kind of guy that todd is uh, he's a let's 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 do it is it possible yep well, then do it and so that's exactly what they did and they were ready to go but yeah, a little bit of rain that afternoon. And it just it was one of those mists that just wouldn't quit. And so, um, but the, the silver lining to that was we got to do the four days, um, you know, with that race going, uh, at the front of the three day high bank nationals, which really kind of laid the groundwork for, for next year's four day event. So it, it worked out well, there's still a lot of work to be done out there. Um, the top part of the, the VIP building up top is not open yet, um, so that's, that's going to be some off season work. Um, there's still a, a light pole that needs to be replaced. And so that's, that's going to take some time. I, I'm, I'm confident by the time mother's day next summer rolls around, it'll be, it'll all be built and probably better than it, than it was before. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And they keep telling me I'm getting a new announce booth because, um, the, the room that we're in, it was, it was kind of an afterthought of the previous regime, uh, when they built that, um, I think they forgot that announcers and scorers exist. Um, and so they took, they took a VIP room, split it in half. And uh, the best description I've had of it was uh, Wade Onger came in and in his uh, perfect Australian. He told me, he's like, uh, you announced from a phone booth, mate. And So that was the <laughs> best description I have of that room. But um, I, I have no, no doubt that uh, everything will be better next year than it was even before that storm this year.
0: Uh, you mentioned the high bank nationals there, and obviously we have to talk about that weekend. Um, you know, four days of racing culminates in this insane last couple of laps from Sheldon Hottenshield. Uh, when, when you put on a race of that, of that scale, when you're going to pay that amount of money, you're going to have, you know, the best brick car drivers in the world come through. Is there any better way to pay it off than what we ended up getting that week? You could you couldn't write that script. Um, no. it was so good. and,
1: you know will will that be duplicated we, I don't know it was such a great race and I think it's it's kind of funny I, I think Johnny first said something you know we were Johnny Gibson and I were doing the play-by-play and I think five or six laps to go uh, he says something about Sheldon maybe making a charge and I'm like he maybe has enough time maybe <laughs> is, is something like the the call is something like that and then all of a sudden he's there yeah. and That that last lap and to see the entire crowd, I mean, the place was was packed as it was, but to see everybody up and all you could see because the way the lights are in the racetrack, you know, when you're up in the booth way behind everybody. You 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 can you can only see if the people are up and down, but then you just saw like all these hands in the air and just people cheering crazy, and it was, it was one of the coolest moments um, I've ever seen, and I've been doing this for 21 years, so uh, it was one of those where like the thing got done, and and you just sit there and you you go wow, um, and I think I think I, I left there, I think I went to the bar and I watched it. And then I watched it again. And then I think I got home and I watched it probably five or six more times. Those last couple laps because it was it was just unbelievable. Um, it, it was so cool. And, and you know, who knows what next year holds? But uh, what a great way to, to introduce a new race to the area. And um, really looking forward to it again next year. We'll we'll see what happens uh, on take two
0: uh you guys have had like, obviously you know you've got your weekly program you know we've talked about the outlaws um you know USAC came through for for a couple of nights but the the one that i think you know maybe people are maybe sleeping on a little bit that the i mean what was maybe one of the better races of the year anywhere was when you had lucas come through and you know that part of the country, obviously not known as a late model area. And, and you know, even the, the, uh, I think the fans maybe even were sleeping on that one a little bit, but you know, what do you think the future is of, of, late model racing at Houston? And it, it seems like it's a track just like perfect for late model racing.
1: Yeah. I don't know what their plans are for the future, but I think, uh, that was a great introduction for us for super late models. Um, we had never had a super late model race at Houston Speedway, you know, in, in the modern era. And I think that night I've looked it up since like 1982, there'd only been 11 late model races. All of them were, you know, a regional deal or, or restricted. It was soda late model type thing, or, you know, like the tri-state late model series has, you know, all sorts of rules that, that work and produce great racing, but they're not super late models. Mm-hmm. And so to have, you know, that caliber come in was really interesting. And, it's kind of funny because when you race late models at houston's i remember like 2006 we were going to race them for the first time in in a long time something around that time six seven eight somewhere in there and just everyone you can't race you can't race late models at houston's there's no way how are they, they they won't even be able to get side by side they won't no no and you know we we're really quick as race fans to write something off right and so I remember that race was fantastic and then this lucas oil late model race is on the calendar this year you, you started to hear the same things like well yeah they're great lucas Oil's is a great series they've got a lot of great drivers but at Houston, what what's it going to be like and then boom it, it was a home run great fantastic race. fantastic racing um all the way through that show and um i remember i i took uh, they do a thing. you know, uh, James Essex asked me, you know, who you in, And I think I picked Ricky Thornton, who was starting eighth and mm-hmm. kind of got a look like, really? And then here he is up there challenging for the lead. And then he, you know, he finally used his car up in the concrete after hitting the wall 57 times or something like that. And uh, it just ended up being a, a great night of racing. And you left there after that one going, yeah, this, this isn't not just possible, but great racing is possible. And, and, that one you really got to give a lot of credit to the the track crew on how they prepped the racetrack that night. They didn't allow it to be heavy and build a, that that uh, cushion in the middle. They, they they knew what they were doing, and you know there was, you know, some people kind of looking around during time trials like well, they're not that fast. What's going on? It's like no, this isn't time trials. Aren't the end of game here. Mm-hmm. Um, Nobody goes home and says, hot damn, those are the best time trials I've ever watched in my life. That feature that feature was single file and nobody passed, but man, time trials were exciting. Nobody <laughs> ever says that. And so when, when I saw the racetrack doing what it was doing in time trials, I'm like, okay, this is, this is going to be all right. I say the same thing at Houston. When people are like, oh, the heat races at Houston's are boring. Yep. Sometimes they are. Most of the times they are. Uh, they're not the best race of the night. But nobody ever goes home and says, wow, I can't wait to go back and watch heat races next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, want, you want the best track. You want the most excitement to happen in the future. And, and that's what we get down here. But yeah, that Lucas Oil Show, um, I hope they, they have another big-time late model race next year. Um, I don't care what the name is on it. Um, just hopefully to, to, to bring in that caliber and those kind of cars again would be really, really exciting.
0: From your perspective, you know, you obviously do a lot of sprint car stuff. You know, you, you know, all of the names, you know, all the guys, when you have an event like that come through, you know, as an announcer, you you know, and you're going to be sitting in the booth with a guy like James Essex, who is now a dirt late model hall of famer, you know, how do you prepare for that race? You know, did you go and watch some Lucas shows? You know, how, how much work do you have to do to, to feel like you're ready to sit in that booth?
1: Um, that one, I didn't do a ton. Um. I I did enough to, to where I felt comfortable. Um, I'm still afraid of making a fool of myself and I could, I could easily do that at a late model race, you know? Um, But it's, it's not out of line. You know, for that one, I probably did 10, 15 hours, watched a lot of their shows um, that I could, um, made a lot of notes um, just so you, you feel like you're, you're able to, to have that conversation. And um, not just protect your backside from acting like a fool or sounding like a fool but you're also you you're doing a job and you're there to be informative and helpful for the race fan whether or not they may be um, they may watch a hundred late model races a year and, and you might watch 20 but you still better be knowledgeable and be able to to share information and 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 add to the program not subtract from it so for that one was probably 15 18 hours of work the usac um, for that stuff uh oh man probably 40 um just because it's the the two series and there's there's so much going on with them um just to have their notes and to know that you know this guy has got championships and and this guy's got x number of wins and top fives and and to be able to have that conversation and and be knowledgeable with the traveling announcer um you certainly have to do it and even for the world of outlaws you know, I, I watch more of their races than anybody else out there in the country. Um, but it's still, you got to sit down and you got to do the work and, and you have to make sure that, that you're ready to go. You know, teams have to bring their game at the big shows, their, their, their a game. And as an announcer, you do too. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm terrified of, of sounding like a fool. We, we all slip up, right? Uh, all of us announcers, will say the wrong name or wrong number or something like that at times, but, um, you know. I I I take a lot of pride in the homework that I do, um, not just for the weekly shows, but also the for the big shows that, um, you know, it, 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 whether it be Johnny Gibson or James Essex that sits down next to me that I can have that intelligent conversation with them and 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 go toe to toe with them because they're they're the best at what they do.
0: I, I feel like announcing is is one of those things that is is obviously very subjective, right? Like, you know, fans are going to have people they like, people they really don't like, and, and you're going to hear about it. If they don't like you, you're going to hear about it. Uh, you know, and there's all kinds of styles out there and, and different ways to do things. As you've been kind of on this announcing journey, like, do you have guys that you look up to that you try to emulate? Do you have guys that you, you know, is Johnny Gibson somebody that you can call up and say, hey, what, you know, what about this, you know, how does it work for you as, as you're trying to get get better as an announcer.
1: Yeah, I think I was really fortunate when I started. Um, I was still a teenager when I started, and I, I was still in high school when I first started announcing racing. So um, the the guy who had announced Hussets for a long time, his name is Mark Tassler, and up until 2015, he was he was the we were co announcers there for most of the the, the 2000s and 2010s um, up until he retired in 2015. And he had actually done two other racetracks in the area: Rock Rapids, Iowa, and Madison, South Dakota uh lake county speedway was that track's name and it just so happened that was there was a night where hew in lake county which was run by the same family they were racing you know sprint cars were at hew and it was a stock car show only at at madison and, and he needed someone to fill in he couldn't be at both so i said great i'll try it at madison and i think it was 18. Um, and so he was really helpful gave me a lot of tips um and then there were some other great announcers in our area, Jim Laton, um, who unfortunately passed away from cancer uh, about a year ago. He was um, the announcer for a long time at, at several tracks in the area, including um, what's now I ninety Speedway. And he, he gave me some great advice. And, and the one thing that that I still remember him saying to me um, from you know twenty years ago was, "Be you, be yourself. Don't don't try to be somebody you're not." Um, because then the fans will feel that, and if you're phony, they'll feel it, and and they'll that's that's not going to be your best use. So um, those words I still hear a lot. Um, so I'm not um, I'm not the jokester um, announcer that's going to use it as my open mic night to to test out my new comedy uh, series or whatever. Um, I might crack one here and there if if it's if it's appropriate, but I'm pretty straightforward. Um, but that's, that's kind of who I am. And so that's, that's the greatest advice I got when I started was, was be you be prepared and, and, and do your work. Um, Mark would always say, you know, work your, uh, plan your work and work your plan. And so, um, you know, I've, I've, I've become a, a spreadsheet guy. I've got all the spreadsheets sheets, uh, just, yeah, it's, it's, it would gross people out if they would see what I've got open in front of me all the time. Um, <laughs> at the racetrack because I you know you can know everybody and you think you know everybody and then you're talking and you're like number three i've what is number three who's number three and you just you have a moment of blank and then you're like oh yeah it's monstrous car tim kating's in it but you know just sometimes uh you just lose it so you got to make sure you've got everything in front of you and and while you can probably rattle it off off the top of your head Um, At least for me, I need that security blanket of, of the spreadsheets and all of the spreadsheets in front of me
0: yeah no i i have you know working for the outlaws for as long as i did i i, I am very very uh, aware of johnny's uh spreadsheets and, and blake anderson the same way blake's a good a, a good friend of mine as well when you are watching a race you know are, are you able to see the whole track as an announcer it's th- these are conversations i've had with blake too about you know I'm, I'm always curious how you guys actually watch a race so that you can call it you know are you are you looking at transfer battles are you you know are do you got eyes going in different directions like how, how do you see? Sit down and watch a race when you're going to call it
1: i would really like to see myself sometime because i think i'm probably all over the place um because at houston's i've got the window in front of me so i can see out and see the racetrack but i've also got a monitor just up here to my left um that i can see what's on the dirt vision camera and that's more important you know when i started this forever ago that wasn't even a thing you know you say here's your lineup and it's eight laps and you turn the microphone off until the race was done. And he said, here's your finish. And so that's been something that you kind of have to craft as you go a little bit. Um, but I think, I think my eyes bounce all around and and I'm really fortunate at Houston's that we're high and way away from the racetrack. Um, so you can kind of see the whole thing. Um, so if you're looking over here, usually if something starts happening on the opposite end of the racetrack, you know, somebody starts flipping, it catches your attention and you, you you see it where, you know, sometimes if I'm, you know, on the road and we're at a half mile or something, that's a whole different deal where you're like looking over here and you completely miss what's going on the other way. But yeah, I think my eyes bounce all around the racetrack and, and you're always looking for that storyline. So um, I've I've always got live timing in front of me looking for that try to have the lineup in front of you and you gotta you gotta take note when you're going through the lineup of you know this guy could charge forward and and you kind of look at your live timing a couple times here and there just to to take note of where those people are at and, and because sometimes that is the story so um i don't know how i i don't know how you do it but you do it um at least that's how it works for me um i probably you know bouncing around like a squirrel all over the place but Uh, at the end, hopefully it's, it's a decent call.
0: Do you get a chance to like, just ever be a race fan? And, you know, did you get a chance to go to Jackson (laughs) for the nationals? Did you go to Knoxville or is it always just work?
1: Uh, once in a while I'll be at a race and I'm, I'm just a fan, but you know, it's really hard. It's really difficult to be a race fan because you always feel like you should be doing something. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's really difficult for me to just go sit down in the grandstand somewhere and watch a race. Um. No, I can sit down on my couch and I can watch Dirt Vision all night long. Um, that's a little bit easier because you're not at the track. But at the track, I feel like I need to be doing something. Um, I really do enjoy. That's one of the things I enjoy about being with the tours with MSTs or the the late models, where I can sit down. You know, if, if I'm calling the the one class of that night, and then I can go sit down in the stands and watch. You know, the rest of their weekly show and kind of relax a little bit, which is which is enjoyable. I'll, I'll go once in a while to a race around the area. Um, and just kick back as a fan and, and have a couple cold beverages. It's it's fun. Like to take my son with when I do that. And um, yeah, it's 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 really difficult to do that. We're, I, I was talking with um, my my friend Brian who raced directs down at Houston. and he's you know always on the receiver. And uh, we were talking about that exact same thing last night. Like he said it. He goes, I can't go to a racetrack and and sit down and not have a headset on. And that's I, I feel the same way. It's it's difficult.
0: Uh, you're, you talk about your son there. It, it, this is like the, the funny thing I always like to ask race car drivers is, is, uh, you know, are you going to let your, your kids race or whatever like that? But if, uh, if your son wants to be uh, wants to be an announcer, are you going to pull him up there and, and, and put the microphone in front of him?
1: He's been on the mic. Um, okay, I think good. he, he made his debut. Um, I think he was four um he announced uh in in 2015 he announced 410 sprint cars at Hewitts uh he couldn't read uh but he had he he had the names and numbers memorized enough yeah i said the said the sponsors and he chimed in with the the names and um, i've got the video of him somewhere you know little 4-year-old voice saying the big unit austin McCarl. and it's <laughs> it's fantastic um he did victory lane interviews one night i think last year out at, at uh i90 speedway um which was great uh because most most of the drivers with the the series uh, it was an msts night most of those drivers you know they know me and they know so they know him and so um that was fantastic uh and the only critique i could give him was like Hey, don't stand with your hand in your pocket. You looked kind of funny doing that, but your questions were great.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, I, I would assume that you at least get some chance to, to tune into to the Outlaws and, and some of the stuff on some of the streaming services. You know, when you look around the country this year, you know what are wh- you know what have you enjoyed watching with you know the Outlaws or All Stars or other series? You know, what are you excited about as we kind of get you know into the latter half of the season here?
1: I think the Outlaws have been really fun to watch because you don't know. There's not one dominant team right now. Um, you've got, you know, that some of the teams are starting to rack up some wins here and there, but it doesn't mean that they're dominating and and reeling off that four, five, six nights in a row type thing. So any night that you tune in, you don't know how that show is going to go. And I think we've come so far in the last couple of years with production quality um, as well. With with all these races, you can sit down and watch. Now I, I don't. I don't want to sit down and watch overproduced races um, you know, on any of these streaming services, but I think where we're at right now is is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, the level of competition with the Outlaws, fantastic. The All-Stars, same thing. Um, they've been fantastic to watch all year long too. And you know, if they're not racing, uh click over and I'm I'm trying to learn about these late model things a little more and more. So um yeah, it's a lot of I, I enjoy that, but I I think the parody in racing right now is is really cool the money that's out there in racing this this year um the late model side has been insane the money that's out there but um we're starting to see that more and more in, in winged sprint car racing and and the storylines that are out there that have been fantastic with um unfortunately getting hurt now uh but parker price miller coming back from from his battle with cancer i mean how fun was that um, yeah. to see him come back and triumph um how inspirational was that that was that was really a a great storyline and and watching shark racing really come into their own this year uh, and and jacob allen to get those wins and um his his speech at knoxville i mean you could you can you might as well write that on a wall somewhere in a in a locker room or something to go and inspire an entire team so you know that's been really cool and uh it's really it's really enjoyable for a guy like me that I've never been to Pennsylvania, but I feel like I, I know quite a few of their drivers are at Attica, you know, um, I, I just enjoy being able to sit down and watch sprint car racing almost any night of the week. And that was cool starting around the country, a little less of that weekday stuff, but uh, sure is a lot of fun to be a sprint car fan in this day and age.
0: I, I'm curious that, you know, you, you look around kind of the Midwest and, and, you know, you, when you, when you talk about the major sprinkler areas of the country, you know, you're going to talk about California. You're going to talk about Ohio, Pennsylvania, and the Midwest you, who are some, you know, maybe young drivers that are racing between Knoxville, Houston, you know, some of those tracks, you know, around there that, you know, our names, maybe we could see kind of pop up, you know, we, we talked about Ryan Timms, but you know, you, you've got like, you know, the Macedos coming out of, out of California, you know, you've got, you know, various guy, Brent Marks and, and Anthony Macri coming out of Pennsylvania right now that are winning everything who are those next guys that you think are going to kind of come out of the midwest and, and and join kind of the national ranks
1: well i think what's really fun to watch right now in our part of the country is is our imca sprint car program um if i said rookie of the year contender every time somebody was pushing off that was a rookie in that class that's all i would say in a night so um and and they're 14, 15, 16 years old. Um, pretty cool experience that, that they're all getting and, and have the opportunity to race those those IMCA sprint cars at HUSITS is is really fantastic. Uh, Kobe Workmeister is one of those rookies at HUSETS. um Teenage teenage kid coming out of winged carts. Got his first win here at HUSITS a few weeks ago. Um, he's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Cole Vanderheiden um, out of Nebraska been running up here, but running down at Eagle. Um, he's been a lot of fun to watch too. Um, so I'm curious to see where they go in, in their in the coming years if they want to continue to pursue that that next level stuff. And and we know that that it, it's a mountain to climb to go from IMCA sprints to 410s, right? Uh, it's it's they're sprint cars, but that's about where the comparisons end. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got a long ways to go on their journey, but I think they're off to a to a really 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 great start. Um, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun this year to watch Riley Goodnow. Um start to have some success, and um, you know you got a win last year in in Jacksonville. And I think if we if you roll back four or five years and you if you would say a sprint car racer from Knoxville is going to be good on the tiny tracks, you would you'd laugh. Because that never happens, right? Uh, if you're from the Knoxville area, you better be good at a half mile, and you know survive if you go to a small track. Well, Riley Goodnow is showing that um, he can not only be be strong on the half mile down at Knoxville, he can he can. Run very very well um, on the small tracks. You know, getting that win at Jacksonville. He's been up to Grand Forks and done okay. Um, that second place showing with the World of Outlaws down here during the High Bank Nationals. That was really really impressive to see. So it'll be fun to watch what he does in the next next couple of years as well. And then uh, you know we've got some others around here like um, Elliot Omdahl. Um He's not out there with with World of Outlaws type equipment, but to see him showing up every week in his family owned fifty one A. And and learning, you know, he he tried to do it in 2021. The engine program wasn't there. Um, took a step back, got back into the IMCA Sprint Car, raced some 360 stuff around the area, and then reloaded for this year. Um, he has shown some some signs of being very fast um, at times this year. So that's been that's been fun to watch, and it, it's also fun to see Matt Jewel really coming into his own in, in this 410 program as well. Um, I think it was last year, you know, he, he set fast time at Houston. He said something like having to get, he needed to get good on the small tracks again. You know, it so was while we were closed here, he was just, you know, running Knoxville, running Knoxville, running Knoxville. And so uh, to see him and, and he's got a crew chief in, in John Cressman that um, not only knows how to turn the wrenches on a sprint car, but also um, I, I think it, it, I, they have to be pretty good friends because John's going to be as a former racer, he's going to be blunt and honest with you. Like, man, you cheated that cushion getting into one and it cost you time. And, and John knows that stuff. So I think that's been, been very, very helpful for, um, that entire zero nine team. So, um, if they can, no matter where they end up in the points this year, um, it's going to be a successful year for that crew. And, uh, we'll see where that springboards them into, into next year too.
0: Well, i appreciate the time today uh last question before we go give me the uh f- for those fans that are going to be watching listening to this uh, that maybe haven't been to houston's maybe you know aren't super aware of houston's why should we tune in why should we come visit the uh the houston speedway uh
1: tune in and it'll most likely speak for itself um it's a it's a really cool racetrack um sunday nights uh if, if you're not from the area Tune it in on Dirt Vision and watch the racing. Um, everything from the the late model street stocks, and if you haven't watched them, you're going. What in the world is a late model street stock? Just watch, um, you'll figure it out. Um, but they they put on great racing, and it was so fun last year. You know, talking with the guys, we'd get done with the broadcast and the the, the production people back in in North Carolina you know, we'd be talking about Corey I and Zach Olivier. And I'm like, how do people in North Carolina know these local racers in a stock car class, but the fantastic racing with them. And then, uh, just to the, the tight bull ring, but fast and close action that Houston speedway provides is really, really hard to duplicate. And we're, we're really blessed in our area to have it. And, uh, if you haven't been there, no better time than to come out and check out that high bank nationals next year four days in a row quarter of a million dollars to win on the final night it's going to be a blast so i love it uh, and it's a great town come to brandon we've we've got a, it's it's a fantastic little town just don't speed when you're driving through our town
0: <laughs> <laughs> well sean said i appreciate the time today
1: oh it was my pleasure